Um, couple of things. Number one, if you passed your baskets down early. I want whoever has the basket to hold it in the air. Don't do anything with it. Just kind of hold it in the air for everybody to see, okay? And you're like, do I really have to do that? Yes, okay? Thank you, Kevin. Look at Kevin. Look at Mason. Look at that, right? Okay, thank you. All right, here's the deal. Just hold it right there, okay? Hold it, okay? Now, here's the deal. Year-end offering, year-end offering took up over $72,000, and 100% of it we gave away, right? 100% we gave it away. I, w- I w- hold these baskets up for this reason. Because as you, as we pass down baskets at church and we give tithes and offerings, sometimes you forget that there's a kingdom impact of what it's all about. This is not about us, right? This is not about me. It's not about the church necessarily, right? This basket is about the kingdom of God being established here and abroad. Listen, the money that we took up, a lot of, most of you know Tammy Hutchins, our India, our, our friend in India, right? And Molly and Dylan Phila, right? The missionaries who, who lived there, right? We're gonna send close to $20,000 to, to, to fulfill, listen, the things that the children in Karube home have been fasting and praying about for the last year. Our money's gonna be used to answer the thing they've been praying about. Praise God. How awesome is this? Baskets are not so that I can woo, so I can make you give money out of guilt and tell you to get a blessing, right? It's for you to be obedient to the king so his kingdom can be established on the earth. You hold me accountable to that. If you ever think I'm abusing you as pastor in the area of money, I'm giving you the right to correct me. Will you do that? All right. So as you pass the baskets, pass with the joy of knowing that God's kingdom is being established throughout the earth because of what we give here. So with that, y'all pass the baskets, right, with great joy and give us the Lord leads. If you're a first time guest, just give us your connect card, right? That's enough for today, okay? We'd be greatly appreciative and be awesome. God's good, right? God's good. Now, let me say something to y'all. I want to invite you and encourage you to be here on Thursday night. We have our, our time of prayer, right? Time of This is kind of the beginning. We do these three at the beginning of the year. We do once a month from this point. But if you've been, you know it's an incredible blessing, right? Incredible blessing. God's just moving as we're in worship, moving as we're in prayer. But I want to say something to you, and, if, and I, want to, I want to ask just, um, just for some grace in the moment to be completely, listen, to be completely transparent and completely honest with you, okay? We sat here on Thursday night, and there were a group of students here from the Roar. Now, you don't know what that is, but the Roar is a, it's a group, about 20 students who have come down from Indiana, right? Harvest's dad leads this church and leads this school, and he wanted to kind of expose them. So they did like several months in Indiana, they're doing a few months here, and then they're going to the 1040 window for several months, right? Just to kind of get this full perspective of, of ministry and church, all that kind of stuff. So I, I get to teach a class, I'm really teaching a class on Christology, I'm very excited. Right, it's kind of teaching about Jesus. You can't get any better than that, right? And so we're gonna. So anyway, they came on Thursday night. Let me just say this, right? It was just a powerful time because these kids, right? They're some of them are single, some of them are married, twenties, and I don't know how what the oldest is, probably around thirty. 
But listen, there is some level of hunger that they have for Jesus that is, that's, that's insatiable, right? It is something that I, my whole being is drawn to, right? We had to take a time and Scott came up here, Scott Crawford came up on, on Thursday night and said, we're going to take some time and we're just going to, we're going to pray for any of you just, who just feel like there's a stirring and God wants to bring breakthrough in your life and you're praying and asking God for breakthrough and we just want to, we want Steve and Randall to get, just to get over here and pray for you, right? And these students came over, right? And it was amazing. It was just, they're hungry. Came out. Let me tell you what happened. I want you to hear this. Everyone listen. God did something through me and Randall in prayer that I haven't felt in a long time praying for someone. There was such a hunger inside of them, right? Such a, a, a sensitivity to things of the Spirit that my spirit resonated inside of me and said yes to what was going on in their heart. And all of a sudden, it was like literally something came out, right? It was Jesus, don't worry, right? But something moved. Something was stirring. Something came alive. Something was awakened as I laid hands on these kids. And Listen, stardom started shaking in the spirit, right? Like, what does that mean? It just means Jesus is all over, doing something that only he can do. And I'm sitting there myself, and I'm shaking. Like, I'm just like, oh, right? I'm literally groaning with groans. The spirit, Scripture says that. God, it's completely biblical. Spirit groans with words you can't even utter, right? He's just groaning things from me. Just, oh, birth, right? How many of you women are you groaning at birth? They're just groaning. God birthing something new inside of them. Like, oh Jesus, would you awaken hunger inside of us? Jesus, listen, we can do church all day long and help lots of people, but if we don't have Jesus empowering us, right, moving in us, giving us insatiable desire for Him, then our Christianity is wasted time. Wasted. And we sat here on Thursday night, I'm like, Jesus, I don't want to go home. Jesus, we want you. God. Sorry. Um, should apologize. Doesn't get mad at for apologizing for that, right? Get emotional every now and then, right? But here's the deal. There's such a hunger. Hear this. There is such a hunger and a desire of the Holy Spirit. To move in his people in such a way that they fall madly in love and then serve and give themselves away with abandon for those that are in need. He doesn't want you to receive so you can hoard. He wants to pour himself, right, into you, right, with a deep hunger. Jesus, awaken it, right, so I can receive, so I can give it all away. And then I can get more. And then I can give it all away. This is what it's about. So I'm sitting here on Thursday, and God's just stirring and stirring, saying, I just want to hungry people. I just want to pour it into you. It's a work of my spirit. Just cry out for hunger. I will give it to you. Hunger for me. Hunger for the things of my spirit. Don't you realize that the, 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 the bread of yesterday, this is a picture of manna in the desert, guys, right? The bread you ate of Jesus yesterday is not going to suffice for tomorrow, right? Manna, the picture of manna, very clear. It rotted at the end of the day so you could eat a fresh manna. Jesus, again, afresh and anew every day. It's why it's called living water. It's a never-ending source. Why? Because we drink of him every day. 
God's birthing and stirring a hunger. He's not just birthing and stirring a hunger so he can say have a cool church. He's birthing and stirring a hunger so that we will receive, so that we can all of a sudden just just descend the Holy Spirit, right? Everywhere we go, it's like living waters flowing out from us. And people are saying, what do you have? I say, I've got Jesus, it's living water, and it's bread for you to eat today. You're so hungry and don't even know, you're dying and don't even know it. So, we are a hungry people, or at least we should be. And the question I want you to ask yourself this morning, before we dive into the, the morning, is how hungry are you? That's not a guilt-laden question at all, right? It's not a guilt-laden question. It's simply a passion. Is how hungry are you for the living Jesus, who is manna every day and who is living water every moment that we receive so that we can give? I want you to allow that to... To soberly get into you. I want to just be honest with you this morning and this for language sake. I'm going to give you a prophetic word this morning. All I mean is this. I feel like God is just speaking something through. I'm not claiming some prophet, right? I'm somebody saying there's a word that God has stirred in me. Something that, that is, is, is more, it's more speaking than teaching this morning, okay? I'm just going to give you a heads up because I feel like God's stirring and speaking into the moment. So I want to just kind of prepare your, just you prepared for that, okay? You may be really, really, really angry at the end of the service and call me a heretic, okay? And that's fine. That's fine. You just ask Jesus if I am before you just go ahead and tell the people about it, okay? So here's the deal. Here's the question. Here's where we're starting this morning. What emanates from you? What emanates from you? Now, you know what emanates means, right? Something that kind of comes from you, right? The picture I had is like a, is like a fire, like, right, you, 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 you get away from the really cheesy, lame gas logs and you get a real fire burning fireplace, right? Get a real fire burning fireplace so you can, so you can feel more like a man, man, right? Get a real, like this fire burning thing. If you come into my house, literally, you can go to my house and right up here on the mantle, there's all these, these soot stains because I just built fires that were way, way too big, right? For our little fireplace in our house. Literally, it's like smoke comes out all the time. I'm like, let's see how big we can get the bonfire, a little bitty fireplace, right? Because there's something about fire. Let me tell you what happens. When people who are cold walk into my house with a big fire burning in the middle of winter, guess what they do? They walk over like a rotisserie chicken and just go around and around right in front of it so they can get their whole self warmed by it, right? And it's like, oh, we, and because why? Because a, a fire emanates warmth. Warmth comes from it. People are drawn to it. And in your life, whether you know it or not, you emanate something. Something comes from you. And I, and, and I, you probably are too afraid to ask people what it is, if you're honest, right? Right? Because it's like, oh my gosh, what comes from me? The idea is like this per- perfect case scenario. People are like, oh my gosh, you're so great and you're so nice and I feel accepted and I feel loved. And you're, I mean, you're honest and truthful, but I know you do it in love. And then some people are like, eh, not such great stuff coming from you, right? You're like, no, 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 right? But we want to be people who are like this fire, who are emanating something from us. And here's the point. Whether you know it or not, you're emanating something. How do I know this? Because every single person that you're around you leave having thoughts about who they are. 
which means something is emanating from them. Most of you never actually leave a, conver- leave a conversation with blank thought with the person you were just talking to. You have thoughts. You have something emanating from them that you receive, and you process it, and you may even name it, right? Emanating. Something's emanating from us. But on the negative side, I was thinking about what emanates, and I started thinking about death rays from microwaves, right? Have you ever read those, have you ever read those emails? Right? It's like the microwave is the worst thing. It's like the next atomic bomb or something, right? Literally, it's like there are these radiation beams that are coming from your microwave and giving you cancer. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I walk into my kitchen and my first thought is, how far away do I need to stand before I get cancer? Literally, right? I mean, no lie. This is how, this is how I walk into my, this is, how, this is a true story, right? You think I'm silly. But I walk in and my microwave's going and I'm like this. I'm like, all right? I don't actually look at it, but I think if I just turn my head and kind of look at the periphery, it won't give me cancer. It won't kill me. Do you ever do that? I walk in, I'm like, oh, safe distance. But I get close, I'm like this, mm, right? Kind of pushing buttons and things. Literally, I do that because because I've read the emails and all the stuff, right? That death rays, man, they literally kill you. Walk in, your microwave's going to kill you, right? And it's just seriously, it emanates this. Now, it's not really true. I read Consumer Reports, for all of you who are wondering, it's not really, I wanted to release you from that. I got released from this burden yesterday, a couple of days ago when I was reading it, right? But, it, but seriously, that's what I thought, man, death rays coming from the microwave, oh, I'm going to die, right, whatever it may be. We emanate, whether in our lives positive, like fire, producing warmth, emanating warmth. Or like the microwave, maybe you're a microwave, never where you go, you express death rays, I don't really know, right? But something's coming from you. We are emanating something in our lives, and the reality is people right now would say, would be able to answer a question about you, about what emanates from you. Do you know what that is? You see, when I look at the life of Jesus, Jesus obviously emanated something from him, right? From himself. Something emanated from Jesus. Something that was, and in one level, is fantastic, right? We, we see all the broken and the hurting and, and the lost, right? And the lame coming to Jesus and he's emanating this healing from him, right? And as we know that in his story that thousands of people are following Jesus because something wonderful and something powerful and life-giving is, giving is emanating from Jesus. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Right? We just see this again and again in Scripture that this Jesus, sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors, they are drawn to Jesus because Something of life and something wonderful is emanating from him in his teaching and in his, in his, in his proclamation and his, in the, in the gifts of the Spirit being released through him, right? People are just being, they're being drawn to him. Why? Because something wonderful and powerful and great is emanating from Jesus and people just wanted to be around him. But also emanating from Jesus, and I want you to hear this, is something that caused division and hostility everywhere he went. In fact, you could say that division and hostility also emanated from Jesus, at least in the lives of the people that are around him. Have you heard of the Pharisees? 
Have you ever heard of those guys, this, this religious group of people, right, who literally spent their entire time during Jesus' ministry trying to catch him in the words that he was saying? And ultimately, you, you know, you know Jesus died, right? You know that literally his lifestyle and the thing that emanated from him literally caused people to get so angry and such hostility that they wanted to kill him. Even at the very, very beginning of his ministry, in Luke chapter 4, it says he, come, he was led by the Spirit into the desert. He was led back by the Spirit from the desert in. He goes straight to the temple. He goes to Isaiah 61, opens the scroll, reads it, and says, this scripture today, it is fulfilled in your hearing. Everybody goes, yay, golf clap, right? Right there in the moment, woo, Jesus, right? Everybody's excited about Jesus. And literally, about 30 minutes later, they drive him to the edge of a cliff to throw him off and kill him. They were drawn to him. They were repulsed by him. Scripture has this weird verse that says, and Jesus just walked in the midst of them and went his, went his own way. <laughs> I don't know what that meant, right? It's pretty cool. But it happened. In the moment, Jesus, people drawn. In the moment, Jesus repulsing people and hostility following him. Everywhere he goes. Scripture tells us, even Jesus says in his own words in Matthew 10, verse 34, 36. Scott referenced this in the 9 o'clock service last week, if you were there. He says this, Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I should cause tension because the angel said he was the prince of peace, right? Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. And now we live in tension. Jesus emanated something that drew people to him, yes. He also emanated something that repelled people away. And what I want you to recognize about Jesus is this. His goal while here on earth, and hear this, his goal while on earth, it was not peace, it was not love, and it was not happiness. That wasn't the ultimate goal of Jesus. The goal of Jesus is succinctly spoken in Luke 4. He says he was sent to, to preach the gospel, right? To release the captives, to give sight to the blind, and to set the oppressed free. Right? He came to preach the gospel. Take those who are in prisons and set them free. Take those who are oppressed and to set them free to bring salvation, right? To preach the good news of Jesus. God with skin on, right? Coming to die so we can have a relationship with Him, right? What I want you to recognize in the moment is simply this. For every prisoner, there is a captor. And for every person who is oppressed, there is an oppressor. And so when Jesus comes in the moment, right, to stand up for his convictions, to stand up for truth, right, to bring freedom, there are those that he is opposed to. And they don't like him. Because his life is about fighting against injustice. Just to kind of give a modern day perspective, think Martin Luther King, since it is tomorrow, Martin Luther King in the 60s 
And everybody hated him, even though he stood up for what was true. And Jesus is standing up for this truth, right? And people are repulsed by him. I don't know if you know, but people didn't like Martin Luther King very much. A bunch of racist idiots. And we would have been just like them if we still if we lived back then. And we may, but God forbid, be like them today. I don't know. But people lived repulsed by him. People lived repulsed by Jesus for what he stood for, right? The oppressors have oppressing people. Captors, putting other people in prison. This means Jesus' life of declaring freedom and salvation, it was always at the expense of another person's desires. This is at the heart of what Jesus means when he's saying he came not to bring peace, but a sword. Because what he's basically speaking is this, it's not rocket science. If I'm going to follow Jesus, then I have to be like Jesus. And if I'm going to be like Jesus, I have to stand for the things that Jesus stood for. And not everybody likes those things, maybe even my parents or my siblings or even my spouse. He doesn't mean literally enemy as in the person, mean like someone who's opposed, right? Someone who's opposed to your convictions and your beliefs. Jesus come, he's coming to say, listen, I recognize if you're going to be my follower, then you're going to do the things that I did and say the things that I did and stand up and fight for the things that I stood up and fought for. And it's not going to make you popular with everybody in the world. But man, there's certain people who love you and it's going to be those who are most marginalized and most oppressed and most in need. And Jesus comes and speaks into this and said, listen, if you're going to follow me, recognize it will cause wonderful surrounding of people to you because they love me. They need me. Lots of other people who are opposed to what I think and I believe. And they're going to be repulsed by you. And it's going to cause tension. This is the life of the followers of Jesus, for it marked his life. Jesus didn't say, if you suffer. He said, when you suffer for my name. One of my favorite stories in Scripture that paints the picture of this is in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4, right? You know the story. Jesus is, uh, don't, don't put it up yet, right? But Jesus is, Jesus is um, he's coming. Uh, you know, Jesus already passed away. And Peter and John, right, they're walking. Peter and John, they're walking. And and they come up to walk through the gate, beautiful, and there's a guy they've seen a lot, right? Everybody knows this guy. It's the guy who was born lame. He sits there, his friends bring him every day and drop him off at the gate, right? They're sitting here, and he's here, and he's doing his thing and asking for money. And Peter and John walk up and say, hey, we don't have any money, but, but we got Jesus. So we'll give him to you. Be healed. Take up your mat and walk. Beautiful picture, right? Beautiful picture. And Scripture tells us that when he stood up, Right? He stood up and everybody went, oh, right? Because they, they emanated Jesus in the moment. They emanated Jesus. Jesus, the love of Jesus, flowed through them. Right? The gift of the Holy Spirit for healing flowed through them. They couldn't help it, but pour out this gift. And healing came in the moment. And everybody, what happened? Everybody went, oh, it's the lame man. And they surrounded them, Scripture says. They emanated Jesus and people surrounded them. They were amazed, and they were able to say, it has nothing to do with us, it's all about Jesus, the one you crucified, give your life to him, right? Da, 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 da. And all of a sudden, the flip side, there's the religious leaders, the Pharisees, Sadducees, all these people of the law, and they come, and guess what? They're not happy. They're angry. They're repulsed. 
And they bring them in, right? They bring them in, and they, and they kind of lock them up for, uh, for the night, and they come back the next morning and say, how dare you proclaim something we've never heard of? Invite, whose name are you preaching? What gives you the right to do this? Clearly, division and discord emanated from the life of Peter and John. They were obedient to Christ, and it caused division. It caused hostility in the moment. And then in verse 13 and 14, it says this beautiful picture. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there wasn't very much they could say. You know why? Because they recognized him. Now, they didn't recognize him up close, right? Because you've heard the story of the Good Samaritan. They see a lame man. They walk really far away, right? Making sure they don't become unclean, right? But they'd done the microwave, kind of looking like this. And they had seen him before, right? Don't let the death rays from the lame man kill us, right? Whatever, make us unclean, right? Whatever it may be. They knew who he was, and they're sitting there going, we've seen him his entire life. And they're undone in the moment. Man, who are these men? Three things I want you to take away this morning from this. Number one, those who have been with Jesus emanate Jesus. Those who have been with Jesus emanate Jesus. Peter and John, right? They had literally lived their life around, the last three years of their life around Jesus, right? They had, they had eaten meals with him. They had heard his teaching. He had prayed for them. He had corrected them. He had rebuked them. He had, he had done all, he had, he had invested his life into them and they had invested their time, energy, resources, and everything about themselves into Jesus, right? And so when Jesus left and sent the Holy Spirit, guess what? They emanated Jesus everywhere they went, right? People saw them and thought, it's, remember, they said, how can, you're a God. No, 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 it wasn't us that healed the man. It was Jesus in us. They confused them for Jesus in a sense, right? They emanated Jesus. Jesus was oozing out of them and people were surrounding them, right? Those who have been with Jesus, they emanate Jesus. They can't help but bring healing. They can't help but be motivated to love. They can't help but to come alongside and, and help those who are in greatest need. Right? They can't help but speak. They can't help but stop and fight against injustice. They can't help it. Those who have been with Jesus, like Peter and John, they emanate Jesus. But the second thing that I want you to hear me say is this. Those who emanate Jesus, they will suffer Division, they will suffer conflict, and they will suffer hostility. Those who emanate Jesus, they will suffer division, conflict, and hostility. Remember, for everyone who is oppressed, there is an oppressor. And for every prisoner, there is a captor. There are always those who stand opposed to Jesus, the things of Jesus, meaning they are people who will always stand opposed to us as the followers of Jesus. So the first thing is we will experience um, we'll experience basically this tension with those who think our message of a risen savior is stupid, right? 
Have you been around those people? Like, you start talking about Jesus, and they're like, you're one of those Jesus freaks? You're such an idiot, right? And they just, they say all these mean things, right? You know, at least they're not sawing you in two, as, as Hebrews 11 says, right? It's a pretty good point, right? Our, our suffering in America is not real tough, okay? Let's just be completely honest, right? But, but it's difficult for us in our flesh, people being mean to us and saying mean things about us, right? And they're in this moment of saying, man, you're an idiot, right? All this kind of stuff. Discord will occur among our own families because they won't agree with us. They'll think that we're idiots. I mean, I, I've known so many people who have given their lives to Christ and they didn't look at me and say, I can't tell my parents because if I do, I think they may disown me. Happens every day. Right? That's what Jesus is getting at. It's just real simple. We give our lives to Jesus and he's so, I don't know, I mean, it's just so inflammatory that people just can't handle it. That's why you can talk about God, but you can't say Jesus, not PC. Don't say that name. War started over that name. Be careful. Say God. Little G, preferably. Right? We live this tension of people with hostility, living frustrated, living with discord, whatever it may be. But the second thing is this, is we will suffer. We may suffer from our own spiritual family. We may suffer from our own spiritual family. The problem in this story, and I want you all to hear this. This is going to offend some of you. The problem in the story is this. It's the most pious, the most religious, and the most spiritually conservative who struggle most with Jesus and his followers. In our language today, it's the religious right. Who struggle most with the reality of Jesus, right? Those who, who are most pious, most religious, and most spiritually conservative. Listen, the Pharisees were the ones that were making sure that some, some revolutionary didn't come in and break up Judaism, right? They were simply standing for their own, for the, for Yahweh God, who was the, the, the descendant, right? They were the descendants of Moses and, and, and the descendants of all in Abraham, right? All these incredible men and women of God who had gone way before them. They're, they're job is to make sure nothing infringes upon that nothing changes that and here comes this 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 jesus this rebel of a man who's coming in and he's just saying hey i'll tear down your temple it's just a building it's not that big of a deal it's just a building are you kidding me how dare you this is the house of god and they're sitting here in the moment living in this tension Look, think, think about Jesus. Jesus expressed this level of Christianity that I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't think measures up very well to where we are in the year 2013. I look at Jesus when I read scripture, right? And Jesus went looking for sinners to hang out with. He went looking for sinners to have dinner with. Listen, dinner in Jewish culture, is a big deal. It's basically like saying you're part of my family and I receive you and accept you right now for who you are as a person. I love you. Do you know he, hang, he hung out with prostitutes? That's the thing, right? We, we, we find all these sinners and what do we do? We run from them. We create something that, that these sociologists call the Christian ghetto. We have our own Christian yellow pages. We have our own Christian radio stations, right? We have our own Christian parent circles, right? Keep all the unbelievers outside. We don't want to run them. They may make us dirty. What? That's a load of garbage. Jesus left heaven to come to sin-riddled earth and incarnated himself. 
He stepped into broken humanity. And you think he's going to pull away from sinners? Because they're going to make him unclean? Are you serious? If you believe that, then someone's taught you that and you've never read your Bible. Second thing, Jesus, think about this. Jesus, he went looking for prostitutes. He was friends with prostitutes. He knew them by name and they knew him by name and they were his friends. And listen and hear this. They call Jesus a drunkard. Do you know why? Because he actually drank alcohol that could get him drunk. If you've grown up in a church that's taught you that it's just a bunch of grape, grape juice, it's because they're trying to take away the edginess of Jesus to make him fit into their box. There is no, listen, Jesus drank alcohol that could get him drunk. It's logic. If it wasn't going to make him drunk, then why would they have called him a drunkard? Please use logic when we read scripture, right? It just makes sense. And all of a sudden, so listen, what if, listen, and, and it was so important for the disciples that you know that, that they wrote it down for everyone in the world to see. If you're writing a book about me, and that were true about my life, would you try to like kind of cover that up and talk more about how I help the orphans and the widows? Because it's just more palatable. Let me tell you something. If you've been in church for, for several years, maybe all your life, you have a little Pharisee living inside of you. We have a little Pharisee living inside of you. I'm a chief Pharisee among Pharisee, right? I have these edginess where I get offended by Jesus, I get offended by people, right? And here's what Jesus is speaking into the moment, right? Those, right? Those who are going to follow him are going to be called to do things outside of their box outside of their comfort zones, things that maybe outside of what their parents told them were right and wrong, right? Things that maybe even your pastor said you shouldn't do because he taught you more about morality than teaching you about Jesus and who Jesus was and what he calls us to do. We should wrestle Hear this. We should wrestle with our piety. We should wrestle with our religion that we have. We should wrestle with the things that we believe. We should wrestle all the time. Because there's a level of Pharisee in us. Let me kind of just give you a few things to think about when you were processing this with the Lord, right? Things that represent uh, Pharisees, and you can write down a bunch of other things, but I wrote these things down, right? They are, you, you get selfish when you don't get your own way. Okay, that's number one, if you're a Pharisee, right? You get angry when someone else gets the limelight for something that maybe you think you should get credit for, especially in church world, right? Phariseeism. You, you are quick to judge others, like, how many of you, when you walk up to somebody, you immediately categorize them of who they are? Whether rich or poor or cute or ugly or spiritually deep or not spiritually deep. Reformed or Arminian or whatever it may be. And you classify them. Or you view yourself as better than or more spiritual than others. Let me tell you a classic line. I'm about to offend every person in this room. 
me tell you a classic line Pharisees say. Oh, they're just not deep with the Lord. That's a Pharisee. They're just not deep in the things of the Lord. Right. As if you as if that person is better than somebody else. Right. Or in charismatic world, we say they don't don't have the Holy Spirit. What? Right. That's a Pharisee. That's what Pharisees say that they're not spirit filled. What? You have the Holy Spirit. Every Christian does. Now, I know what you're getting at, some of you, but the picture is this. We judge, right? We put ourselves as better than, other than, whatever it may be, right? We talk more about ourselves than others, right? You think you have more to teach than you do to learn. I'd say another classic line of a Pharisee. If you're sitting here this morning critiquing my message and the worship, rather than what you can learn and receive. In fact, you may be the one who is being offended by the Jesus in people, and you are the Pharisee. How many of you know people who are not in church today because someone in their life carried the Pharisee card and played it well? Listen. I am a recovering Pharisee who still dabbles in it pretty well sometimes. I used to be a spiritual jerk. People did not like me and thought I was arrogant and thought I was and they thought that I thought I was better than them. I'm a recovering Pharisee. And I hurt people without even knowing it. We have to be careful to check the Pharisee card and see God, am I a Pharisee and I'm clueless? We have to live in this place. Why? Because those who emanate Jesus will suffer division, conflict, and hostility from their own family members. God, may it not be me. May I not express this Pharisaism. God, may I not be the one who who people feel judged by. Those who have been with Jesus emanate Jesus. Those who emanate Jesus, they will suffer division, conflict, and hostility even from their own family. The thing I want you to recognize is Jesus was a Jew who suffered at the hands of the very ones that he had placed in leadership of the Judaism in the day. God gives leadership to people, y'all. And he was suffering from people even that he and the Father had placed in their place of leadership. You need to process that. Jesus loves Pharisees. Why I spent so much time with them. Third, oh, I missed something here. Oh, yeah, here we go. Matthew 9. This is just, just to use the scripture to back me up here. So you don't think I'm a heretic. Matthew 9, 11 through 13, all right? When the Pharisees, when the Pharisees saw this Jesus, right, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come not, since I have not come to call the righteous, but I've come to hang out with, relate to, give myself to sinners so that they may be righteous. Christian ghettos basically act as a, as a, as a bullet in the life of the unbelievers. Because we pull away 
while they have the actual need for the Jesus that we possess. Number three, if we are willing to suffer hostility, if we are willing to live this difficult life of being edgy and living for Jesus, salvation and breakthrough, it will come. If we, are, if we say, Jesus, it's not about what I've always believed that's going to define me. It's about what you tell me to do, right? Listen, there are, listen, I'm not saying each of you right now need to go find some prostitutes and be friends with them, right? That's not, not your thing. But God calls you in the circle that you live in, right, to the places on the edge and the people who you view on the edge who are in need of a living Savior, who are in need of manna today, of living water, right, of being salt, right, into their lives and seasoning them with the truth of the gospel of the living Jesus who was resurrected and can resurrect them. Right? If we are willing to suffer the hostility and the tension of what emanates from those who are obedient to Jesus, salvation, revival, use whatever words you like to use in your culture, right? Salvation and breakthrough will come. The leaders, not knowing what to do with Peter and John, looked at them and said, listen, do not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And then they say back to them under the power of the Holy Spirit, chapter 4, verse 19 and 20 of Acts, you judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and about what we've heard. Booyah. Right? Right there, slamming it down. I'm not going to listen to your dead words and your dead religion. I'm going to listen to the living, breathing Jesus who is still speaking. In fact, if you had just asked me, I would have told you I laid hands on the man at the gate. Beautiful, where the Holy Spirit welled up inside of me and propelled me to emanate the living Jesus. And if you would just receive it yourself, Pharisees, you too could have eternal life and move in the power of the Holy Spirit and bring life. This is the movement of God. They were willing to suffer. Peter and John. Do you know what the result was? If you don't, read the rest of the book of Acts this week. Listen, go read it, right? It's the Acts of the Apostles, the things that they did, and the edginess, right? Listen, Peter went into the house of a Gentile. Are you serious? That's unbelievable. That's like, that's so inflammatory. That should not be in the Bible. But he went in, a good Jew, hanging out with a non-Jew, and sat down and did meal with them, right? It was a tension in his own heart. God, I cannot associate with anything unclean. And God said, there is no such thing as anyone or anything unclean. Eat whatever you want to, and befriend whoever you want to. Yes, Parents, be careful who you hang out with and how they affect you, right? Seriously, right? Don't Bad apple spoils a whole bunch. It's not exactly biblical, so don't be preaching it like it is, right? But be careful. Be wise, right? We're called to holiness. We're not called to do what sinners do. We're called to be with them and love on them, living up to the convictions that we have by Jesus, okay? Just qualifying that for some of you. Like, oh, man, go hang out with sinners, prostitutes. Awesome, right? No, 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 no. You can't do unless the God calls you to, okay? But you need to listen to the world that you live in. What is God calling you to in the moments of the question we will end with, which we begin with, is this. What emanates from you? What emanates from you? Who are you giving your life to? Listen, you're doing well if your people are being drawn to you and people don't like you. If that's the case of your life, then you're doing some things well. 
right? Unless it's, unless it's well, unless you're hurting people because you're a Pharisee. You've got to be careful in this, right? If you remember, it wasn't very many non-Christians who were opposed to Jesus. It was primarily the religious people. You need to wrestle through that sometime with Jesus. What emanates from you? Is your life producing freedom for the oppressed? Is it causing division? We don't celebrate division. It's just a reality, right? Is it causing division because of your commitment and conviction to stand up for truth? Does it put you at odds with other people, including friends, including family, even church family? Are you dying to your inner Pharisee that literally acts as an obstacle to you being obedient to the crazy, difficult, and edgy things, outside of your box things that Jesus is calling you to? Are you willing to count the cost of suffering hostility so the fruit of breakthrough, the fruit of salvation, and the fruit of the kingdom of the living God can be established on earth? Are you hungry to emanate Jesus? Are you? Or are you fine where you're standing? Are you stirred with a zeal so that God's, the zeal for God's house consumes you? Let's pray. Father, Lord, I'm always humbled. I'm always humbled, Jesus, to proclaim what I believe you're speaking, God, because I don't feel capable or worthy. So, Father, I just sit here before you, receiving, just receiving your word like anybody else is. And, Lord, we, we come and say, Jesus, we want to be hungry. God, we want to emanate you, Jesus. God, we want to, to emanate you in such a way, Lord, that, that, that the sinners, quote-unquote, the people, the people we have always seen as unclean around us, God, they're actually drawn to us. They actually want to be with us. They actually want to spend time with us, God. Lord, we ask for grace, in that moment, Lord, to be able to stand for our convictions, God. Jesus, the reality was as you were so close to the Father that, Lord, you were aware of temptation, but you knew it could never get the best of you because you were empowered by the Holy Spirit, just like we are. We never have to give in to sin, per se. Empower the Holy Spirit. Will we fall? Yes, but God, do we have to? No, we empower the Holy Spirit. God, we can withstand sin. And as we continue every day to grow in the things of Christ and continue to hang out with you, Jesus, and emanate you, God, so temptation begins to, to die, begins to lose its control, begins to lose its power, Lord. It's the nature of, uh, of sanctification becoming holy. We praise you for that, Lord. Yes, we have to be aware, Lord. But God, I'm asking that we would be, just for grace, to become a people. Lord, I, I just recognize some people this morning, this is like, they're like so what is Steve actually talking about? Lord, I just pray for grace and to be able to engage this word on the, on the level that it hits people so that God, they can be changed, so they can know you, emanate you, and people who don't know you be drawn to them. Lord, you were good. You were loving and you were perfect and you were beautiful. And I ask this morning that people would not receive this with a, some terrible weight of guilt and condemnation. But God, would they receive it 
I just ask for grace to receive it in such a way, Lord, that it just awakens them with desire, a longing, a passion, and a zeal, Lord. There are people in this room say, Steve, I used to feel what you're naming, but I have not experienced that in a long time. And my heart used to ache for it, but I've even grown numb to the aching. God, I want my heart to at least ache again for that. Jesus, would you come and birth an aching for the things of your spirit, God, to emanate you, God, by knowing you. Cause us to be unsettled today, Lord. Jesus, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.